Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. My special guest this episode, Jay Bachochin, is a family man in the state of Wisconsin. He is a graphic designer, cinematographer, and film editor. Jay founded the Wisconsin Paranormal Investigators in 2007 to investigate and research UFOs and ghosts. Since 2014, he has been on a solo quest searching for the Wisconsin Sasquatch in southeast Wisconsin. Jay has also self-produced two documentaries of his research in the Kettle Moraine. Finding Jay and Beyond the Kettle, Finding Jay 2 can be found on Amazon Prime Video and Vimeo and are also available on Blu-ray. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have questions, comments, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the show, please show your support by liking, sharing, subscribing, and please leave a comment. It's one of the ways to show your support of the show. New episodes are released on the second and last Sunday of each month at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, KPNL Digital Network on Thursday nights, and any place you find fine podcasts. Now, on with the show. Hello, Jay. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Hey, Kat, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. And a big thank you to you, Al Santariga, um, Big Al, for recommending you. Big Al, thank you very much, Big Al, for recommending. That's That was very kind of you to do that. We were talking the other day, Al and I, and um, asked him about this individual that someone uh, recommended that I have on my guest, and I was asked. I always look into my guest first, just to see if anybody knows them, and no one knew this particular individual. But then Al says, "Hey, if you're looking for a Bigfoot guy, I know a guy." <laughs> yeah, it's funny on how I got. Um, uh, uh, I don't want to say labeled the Bigfoot guy because that's what I do, but I've always started out as, um, you know, I, I don't want to say like a fox boulder, but it. But you know what? I, I've always been seeking for the truth in, in everything because I did start off uh, paranormal investigating, you know, ghosts and uh, different buildings. And, uh, you know, we'd get a lot of calls that way. And, of course, my first love has always been UFOs. So I've always, you know, tried to track the UFOs, looked up the UFO stories and uh, had several sightings, you know. And, and Bigfoot, honestly, was not even on my charts until... 2013. Prior to that, I, I saw the Patterson Gimlin film, and I, I don't know. I, I still kind of thought maybe it was a, a dude in a suit. You know, I'm like, <laughs> there's so many people out there that are looking for uh, Bigfoot, and there's never been any trace besides blurry photos or, you know, I, I hate to just say uh, CGI because you know not everybody can just jump on and create a Bigfoot and insert it into a tree and make that look real. Uh, but you really don't know what is out there anymore. And that's 
kind of what when I when I started doing this in 2007 with Ghost, I I was out. I had a kind of a mission statement, um, a, a mission of what we did, uh, and uh, you know that was to hunt the truth. That was to go seek those answers out there. And I'm telling you, it's like that's pretty much what I always try to encourage people to do, and that is to get out and find the truth for yourself. Don't rely on documentaries or TV or YouTube or even you listening to my voice right now. How do you know that I'm not a great used car salesman? <laughs> and it's it's basically, it's get out there yourself and and discover those truths for yourself. Yeah, don't just be an armchair researcher. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's hard for some people, you know, whether they're I don't want to say stuck in a city, but you know, what if they're not in those environment or, you know, if they're disabled, um, you know, anything like that, sometimes people can't get out and they do rely on us, um, to be able to do that because, you know, like you were just saying, you know, the Bigfoot guy or Jay, are you a, a Bigfoot hunter? Are you a squatcher? And it's like, I'm not, you know, when I go out in the woods, I call myself a hiker that observes, and basically, that's what I do. Um, so I don't call myself a researcher, an investigator, even though, yes, technically I am doing that, but anybody can get out there. They, you don't have to call yourself a researcher to do it. Just get out and observe, you know? Yeah, cause, uh, that's something that people don't do a lot. Um, I wouldn't say lately, but it's just people just don't observe. Right. No, they, they don't. And because... You know, sometimes I think we are like the herd. You know, I hate to use the word sheep, but sometimes that we're relying on the next person to do that, um, to be able to believe that or say that. And we just kind of follow that without really um, peeling the onion to find out if there's truth behind there or not. So I think we're all kind of, we're all kind of to blame, but I think we've been all kind of uh, probably programmed since birth to kind of follow the herd, that type of thing. And sometimes you have to uh, walk the different direction to find, to find your answers, to find your truth. Yeah. uh, I, you know, we're, we're taught don't rock the boat. Just do what everybody else does. Well, exactly, because, you know, like I was saying before, um, when, you know, when I didn't even believe the possibility of Bigfoot, you know, it's weird, right? I, I can believe that UFOs are real, aliens could be real, Loch Ness Monster could be real. Shoot, even the, the Dogman, which I would have only known as Werewolf, that could be possible. But Bigfoot, come on, that's the butt end of a joke, right? <laughs> In every joke, you know, it's a Sasquatch, Yeti, or or Bigfoot. So that it's a hard topic to talk about. Um, maybe not so much now. It seems like things are getting a little bit more mainstream because uh, whether it's TV, kind of like Ghost, right? Yeah. Um, when Ghost Hunters or Taps first came on in 2003 at the end of the sci-fi channel at the time that was the only show of its kind you know of course now today it's saturated with everything paranormal but back then 
you know, if you were going to go out and uh, go to a graveyard and look for a ghost, you'd kind of get a little side look like, really? You know, like, do they, do ghosts exist now? You know, I, I want to say ghosts are no longer paranormal. They're normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> we do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, but Bigfoot has always had that, uh, the dogma about it, you know, um, you just, you didn't really speak about it. And if you did, as a matter of fact, when I first started doing this, I called it a woods creature. I don't know, or a wood beast. Really? Is it because because you didn't hear the word Sasquatch before? Oh, no, no. I've heard it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to say it. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, we're going out in the woods and I'm telling you, there's some some woods beast or forest beast that's out there. And then people would be like, you mean Bigfoot? Oh, no, no, I didn't, you know, just some sort, you know, I would kind of <laughs> side sidestep it. That's how I was in the beginning. Um, in fact, now it's kind of weird because I actually call them the Bigfoot people. You know, I, I don't, I just started doing that about a year or two ago because, you know, when you do this and you, and you uncover an answer it only leads to more questions. And sooner or later, every one of us who does this is going to come to their own conclusion because there, there is no wrong answer because nobody knows. So if that's the case, um, I don't want to be, I'm not one of those type of people that do follow, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great researchers, Bigfoot researchers out there that do this, um, it, it, that's great. I, I wish everybody would do this. We'd get more to the answer. And they do what they're going to do, and it may be 100% different than what I'm going to do. But at the end of the day, we still don't know. So it all depends. You could talk to so a celebrity in the Bigfoot world mm-hmm. that's on TV is going to tell you that it's just a flesh and blood ape that we haven't caught up with yet. But if you really, really, really dig deep and are open to it, um, you're, you're going to find your own conclusions. You know, I'm, you know, I, I'm a man of God. I, you know, I go strictly by the Bible and faith with God and Jesus, and this is who I am. Maybe that opens me up a little bit more to more possibilities of what can be out there. And how they can be out there. So, you know, they usually call someone like me the woo. Like, woo. (laughs) You know? Because, you know, the people that just believe Bigfoot's a flesh and blood ape, they're called apers. They just believe in the science. Um, Leaves footprints. It can leave hair. It can break sticks. It can throw rocks. It's physical. It's it's there. However, and, and... Honestly, I believe that too. Just with all everything that I've come across over the past nine years in the Kettle Moraine uh, in Wisconsin, uh, there is a lot of weirdness that's associated with this flesh and blood creature. And actually, I don't even call them creatures anymore. That's usually what I hear all the time: is flesh and blood creature. Um, I I believe they very well could be the first people on planet Earth. I know it's way out there. But it all depends on where you're getting your source from. My source is biblically. So mine is going to be, you know, the flood. Noah, everyone knows Noah's Ark, right? Mm -hmm. Noah was 
hundred and or yeah, nine hundred and fifty years old in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Well, people could say, well, you know, you're taking that out of context, Jay. This is you know transcripted. But you know what? This is the Bible that I believe in, and I'm not going to nitpick what doesn't make sense to me. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this page, this verse doesn't apply. To, oh, this one does. This one doesn't. It's either all or nothing for me. And since it's all, you know, is is it possible that these, you know, these would be <laughs> these Bigfoot people, you know, could actually exist? And I can tell you. My truth is they do because I've, I've seen, I've, I've had three different sightings and, um, you know, just the amount of, I want to say evidence that I've come across is they do exist physically. I've seen them. Um, yeah. Can I, you go, can you tell us about your encounters? Oh, absolutely. Well, let me paint a little picture of the Kettle Moraine. Mm -hmm. uh, because when you're talking about Wisconsin, um, you're talking, did I say Wisconsin? Do I have an accent in Wisconsin? You had a little twang there. little twang. <laughs> a little one. little one. Although I was kind of born and raised in northern suburbs of Chicago. So I'm just a hop, skip, and a jump. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Uh, up over the cheddar border, as I call it. And by the way, I am not a Packer fan. I'm a diehard Chicago Bears fan. Um, we just want to set the record straight. Although <laughs> I would never leave the state of Wisconsin because it is beautiful. Uh, the Kettle Moraine is 55,000 acres, uh, square acres of, of, of woods, um, hills, uh, moraines that was caused by the retraction, uh, during the ice age that left deep depressions in the ground. So, when you look at Wisconsin, you don't see mountains, but these de de uh, depressions that were left can be 200, 300 feet deep. Okay. So it's almost like they're inverted mountains. You know, if you're yeah. coming here, you're like, okay, it looks all flat there. Once you get in the kettle, you have these deep kettles and they're all over that have lakes and ponds and a dense forest. And it, uh, it goes, stretches a hundred miles through the state of Wisconsin. So if you looked on Google earth, you'd look at this little patch and go, really Jay? Well, I thought the same thing until I went out there. And the first time I was out there, um, we're just a little bit South of the kettle is Elkhorn, Wisconsin, which there's this road there called Bray road. Okay. So, um, Infamously known, uh, Linda Godfrey has come up with and coined this uh, cryptid that lives on Bray Road called the Beast of Bray Road. You know, which is a is she the one foot, that coined it? Yeah, I didn't know that. She did. Hmm. She did. In uh, I think it was 1991. She was she was working for the Lake Geneva Gazette newspaper. I think she was doing cartooning at the time. But they asked her because there was all these reports that were coming out of. This, well, yeah, I was want to say werewolf, um, seven foot tall, um, upright like a man, um, face of a, of a canine, and uh, it has been seen on Bray Road. It actually was it, it was been actually seen even prior to the nineties, but no one's really done a lot of reporting on it. I think the earliest one was like in the nineteen thirties. 
because again, it's all by population. Mm-hmm. So if there's not a lot of population there and somebody sees something and they don't report it, it's kind of, you know, if the tree falls in the woods and there was no one there to hear it, does the tree make a sound when it falls? Same thing with the sightings and population. And, uh, but yeah, she did coin that. And that's literally in my backyard. It's um, a 15 minute drive from my house here in Wisconsin. So why not drive down Bray Road all the time and see if we can have a sighting? I, I call it patrolling, yeah. you know, just because you can, it's all uh, privately owned farmland. So you can't get off on these roads and, you know, start walking through fields or you're going to have some of the farmers who all know each other from third, fourth generation farmers uh, contacting and having the law remove you. But you can drive down. It's a public road. And so we'd always go down and look at, um, you know, just I like I said, I call it patrolling. It's a public road. You just drive. And honestly, if, you know, to find the truth, you've got to be out in the field to find the truth. And we would do that a lot. And it was, it was fun. You know, it's kind of what I call legend tripping. And somehow or another, we were legend tripping <clears throat> real late one night and we ended up in the Kettle Moraine. And again, we we're looking for the Beast of Bray Road. You know, is it just, you know, stuck on a road or is it around the surrounding road? Is it around the surrounding areas? And, um, that's when October, 2013, we're, we find a nice little pull off to a trail in the kettle and we're like, hey, we're brave. We're going to go out. It's, you know, <laughs> nine o'clock at night. And, uh, I remember we're all walking out there and we started hearing these weird calls, calls that I've never heard, um, from before. And, I always say I'm not an Outback Jack. I'm not Crocodile Dundee, you know, uh, where, you know, I'm just that outdoorsman. You know, I'm getting there. But I, I wasn't up until that point. And the sounds that we heard were kind of, it was weird. It almost sounded like, um, uh, I always say like a like a primate simian animal slash human. Um, we've never been able to, I was able to isolate one clip on the camcorder I was using at the time, one good clip that's in my first documentary that uh, we have never been able to figure out what animal, you know, you can go online and listen to, um, other people's, um, or, you know, the recordings of different animals and their different calls. You know, if you see a deer, you find a deer call, deer call, it's going to have so many from calling scared or whatever. And uh, we'll never be able to find that. And that is what kind of launched me into the kettle of thinking maybe there is something behind this Bigfoot thing. I still didn't want to admit it because I'm out there hunting the truth. And if somebody came and said, ha Jay, we got you. It was us on a speaker. We're doing this. Well, okay. Yeah, that would kind of suck, and it would be disappointing that it wasn't a cryptid. But it's the truth, and that's really what I'm after. And just going back time and time again is where I I found these huge 17.5 by 6-inch footprints in the snow that were walking in a tightrope gate that were 53 inches apart coming down a kettle in uh, two-foot drifts. It's, it was impossible 
uh, for a human to actually stretch that far no matter what. You always leave a drag mark. These were flat down each impression. In fact, if I can tell you if somebody wanted to do this and make this a hoax, they would have to be on a tie a rope from tree to tree to tree and use a pulley and some sort of stencil to try to be able to mat down and then move 53 inches down, boom, move another one down and navigate through the woods that way, which is honestly near impossible. And I found them by just luck. It was snowing that day even. And uh, again, if somebody was trying to bamboozle me, <laughs> you know, just trying to trick me, then if I didn't find those when I did, when it was snowing, they would have been covered up within an hour. Mm-hmm. So that would have been a waste of time and effort and energy for somebody to do something like that. And that was uh, February of 2014. And I mean, no one's ever, you know, came out saying, hi, Jay, you've been doing this for years. This is how I did it. You know, I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of waiting uh, sometimes for things like that because the stuff I'm finding is just so fascinating that I, it's kind of beyond belief of the things I'm finding out there. And so that was, you know, the, the, the vocals, uh, then the, the footprints. So of course I'm vested now because I couldn't debunk them. I'm out there hunting the truth and I want to know what those answers are. So being out there time and time and time again, um, one of them was in 2016. One of my sightings you were asking about. And that was really unique. We were over a 300-foot kettle. It was me and Mary Marshall of the Paranormal MD um, who was willing to go out there and brave the dark cold in January. Snowy kettle. Uh, so when it snows and there's a little bit of light in the sky, you can see the woods like an animal. You don't need not one ounce of a flashlight or anything you can see. Now, a lot of it's uh, hard to determine with depth, but you see every tree, every um, weed, every branch, like a silhouette. And we were sitting down um, on the top of a kettle. We thought we'd do a stakeout. And um, I wasn't recording anything at the time. In fact, I didn't even have a body camera at that time. I do now. Uh, body cam, but um, the way I was positioned, I was looking over Mary's right shoulder and where she was sitting on this branch. It was like a big oak branch and we were able to sit on it. She was able to look over my left shoulder. I'm getting comfortable. I mean, it's cold, you know, you're all bundled up and getting in position. And and next thing I see above her right shoulder, probably about 20 yards back is my best guess, is I see the only way to describe this, this is really weird because in the Patterson film, if you've seen Harry and the Hendersons, yep. it was nothing like that. It looked like a gangly chimpanzee, a very thin one that was like on all fours, which again, back then I had no idea Bigfoot went on all fours. Um, Bigfoot was standing up like Harry and the Hendersons. That's how I envisioned seeing it. But it had a very simian look to it, but it looked huge compared to a chimp at that distance. You know, we were talking about a silhouette, um, and it's really, really hard to determine depth, but you could still kind of determine the size of what I was looking at next to the bush 
next to the tree on how big this thing was. Now, here's what's weird is I'm looking right at it, and then it moves behind the brush in this big tree. Now, when I say moves, it was like a statue of this chimpanzee gangly thing on a cart with wheels, and somebody was pulling the cart behind the tree. It never moved. It was like a it was like a statue just gliding and it moved behind the tree, which was really weird. Of course I'm I'm doing the Homer Simpson, the blink, 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 you know, like <laughs> okay, what did I just see? Right? You know, everyone says, Jay, you know, you want to see Bigfoot so bad, you're gonna see it even if you don't see it, right? It's all all up in the, the noggin of how bad I wanna see Bigfoot. And that's I don't want to say that's the furthest thing from the truth because having a sighting would be great. But when you're going out hunting the truth, you really got to kind of stay grounded. And um, so when I saw this thing, I I remember Mary goes, what? And I said, I, <laughs> I'm i trying to get words out like I it looked like a monkey it is the only thing I was coming out of my mouth because I, I did record it. I always have an audio recorder. And uh, she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, right behind you on your right side. It was the most bizarre thing. Now, normally, when you're in a situation like that and a researcher and an outdoorsman, you're going to walk right over there to find those prints. Well, we're discussing what it was. And the big, huge branch that we were sitting on started to vibrate by itself. So my feet were on the ground, kind of like I'm straddling this branch but my feet aren't vibrating. It's just the the branch itself. Mary thought I was so cold that I was shivering. Mm. But I was thinking she was so cold that she was shivering. So she asked me, why do you keep shaking? And I'm like, I'm not. And she's like, I'm not. So this gets into you know, something that's even harder to explain. Is I had a sighting, I believe, of what Sasquatch is. And yet what we're sitting on is vibrating. And um, at that point, that totally distracted us from ever going over to investigate and look for prints or whatever. Because now we're focused more on what's going on, you know, right here, like what's causing that. And um, so it was kind of a very eerie night uh, with that sighting. Um, again, I'd love to just say, that was Bigfoot, right? Um, you know, Mary's like, well, that could have been, you know, what if as a cougar? You know, some cougars will get down this far down in south of Wisconsin. And um, I'm like, no, but it resembled a monkey. I could see its arms out on the ground. I could see it almost sitting on its butt, but not quite, you know, just kind of leaning back. I could see all that, and I can't unsee it. And... Um, you know, that's when we started getting the the weird um, vibrations, and even with our some of our electrical um, electronics, uh, we're having issues with those too. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, do and you, again, do yeah. you recall if any of the other trees were vibrating? Like, if if could you see branches of other trees, or were you just pretty no. much fixated to where what you were on? Yeah, I was fixated on to what I was looking at because. Um, you know, again, we were sitting down, and the only way you could feel the vibration really was on your butt because you were sitting on this this branch, and that's what was vibrating. But our feet that were touching the ground was not vibrating. 
So it was the branch that was vibrating. What was causing that to happen? Um, there's a lot of many theories of infrasound yeah. that uh, these Bigfoot can do, which is still kind of weird because how is it fixating on the branch but not the people on this big branch? So, you know, a lot of it's maybe the branch was over five, 45 foot long. Like I said, it's a big oak branch that was laying on the, the forest floor that we're able to sit on. And so what about all the other branch that was way behind us? I'm thinking, is it possible that whatever I was looking at, something was distracting us behind us that we couldn't see that was actually being on the branch and causing it to vibrate? I don't know. Again, those are just theories. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a very eerie night. You know, it wasn't like, you know, if you saw something on YouTube and you're like, oh, wow, that, that's interesting. You know, it, it wasn't like that. It was more, wait, what? I know I just saw something. What is it? And trying to uh, process and get to those answers. But, you know, we never did that night. So, uh, and the only thing I could do is get home late that night. And then I pulled a, uh, a Richard Dreyfus like in Close Encounters of the Third Time when he's making uh, yeah. uh, the Devil's Mountain. Yeah. So I'm, I'm coming home With and I'm like drawing like, the woods. Yeah. Yes. I'm drawing the woods. I'm like, this means something. And then I'm drawing kind of how I saw the shape of this gangly, huge, oversized chimpanzee, the look, you know, with everything that I saw. And that, that's all I have is my memory mm -hmm. um, and from what, what I what I wrote down. Yeah. Do you recall if there was any strange smells or sounds? Uh, not at that point. Mm -hmm. um, nothing with the sounds, but uh, we have over the years smelt the... Um, ugh, the vile, the putrid smell. Um, I don't know if, have you ever uh, trapped a mouse or something in your house? In oh, the, yeah. Okay, and, and if you put rat poisoning out or whatever, they can die in your wall and they, that decay smell. Okay. So I used to live in the country and we had that happen. And when it, this little mouse stunk, it was enough to make you want to throw up. And it was just a little mouse. Now just think about getting engulfed in this smell where you're just like, it's, it's like walking into a wall of, you don't know where it comes from. You know, the first time we smelt it, there was no wind, you know, there was air current, obviously, because you know, there's something's always moving, mm -hmm. but there was no wind. And, it was uh, me and um, a friend of mine, Chris, and we just, it would just engulfed us. And as we're smelling it, trying to look around, it would go away. Then we'd walk a little further, nothing. Bam, there it is again. And we're like, well, it just smelled back a little bit. Let's go back the, you know, 20, 25 yards, go back to there, nothing. Okay, let's backtrack another 50 yards, nothing. We go back up to the 25 yards to where it originally happened. Nothing. Okay. So we start moving on again. We're about 500 yards down at this point. Engulfed again. Same smell, same putrid. And again, those those are hard 
nobody's ever really been able to answer that. If you're a Bigfoot believer, I'm using air quotes here. (laughs) If you're a Bigfoot believer, you're going to say that, no, that's Bigfoot. Well, let's just say you're not, you're on the fence. Um, Just try to answer, you know, that question of where did, where did that smell really come from? I mean, you're in the woods, it's uncontrolled. You know, you have your coyotes, you know, like I said, you have your random cougars, maybe even a a lone wolf at some point, whichever it is, you're going to have death in the woods. You're going to have your predator and your prey. And if a little mouse in your house can smell that bad, then other things that are decaying can smell just as bad. I get that hundred percent. That makes a hundred percent logical sense. But how does the smell follow you? How does it engulf you and then disappear? It's, you know, and with a lot of people, you know, uh, reporting on Bigfoot sightings, not all of them have a smell associated with them. And, um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's a smell. It's kind of like a skunk. You know, it's kind of warding you off, kind of. That's their glands. And I'm always like, well, if they're... Bigfoot's out there and they're the apex predator of all anything that's in the woods. They have nothing to fear. They don't need to put that smell out out of fear. They don't, I don't believe they fear us. And, um, I've, we've smelled that probably I four times in the past nine years and still have never come to a conclusion of what that is, except, well, if I had a sighting, and I say that was Bigfoot out there, then these smells are definitely going to be associated with my sightings, even though when we smelled them, we didn't have a sighting. But then again, we we hike, we hike late at night um, to try to whittle out any human population to give us false positives out there. Um, and that's the only reason, is to be out there and and, you know, when I'm out there, uh, you know, my main objective is not to, not to get the best video, the best photo, the best audio, because you're either going to believe it or you don't. And you're at that stage already. You do or you don't. If you're on the fence and you really want it to know more, then you've got to go find your truth. Otherwise, you know what, Kat, just you having me on to discuss this. I'm, I'm just trying to relay, uh, my story, my encounters that I've had that I can share and hopefully a listener will at one point go, that did happen to me. You know, that smell engulfed me. We didn't know what it was. Well, you know, I'd love to say, yeah, that was a Bigfoot smell, but we haven't been able to see that Bigfoot make that smell to connect the dots. Again, that's just me hunting the truth, believing it's out there. Um, and that's me believing it's out there, but at the same time, you know, is there a Bigfoot behind every tree, you know, every wood snap that's on the woods, is it a Bigfoot, you know? So you got to kind of have that open mind, but w- keep your feet on the ground and, um, you know, chalk these things up as some really cool experiences. Have you ever experienced orbs with these? Because I remember growing up, you would hear about Bigfoot encounters, and then obviously the the very famous 
tracks that they leave behind, but you didn't hear too much about the smells or orbs. I find that's just the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. So I don't know if it's because people just didn't think to relay that information and maybe now just people are just talking about their experiences more. I, I don't know. Have you ever experienced that? Well, actually, my second documentary that just came out this past August is called, uh, my first documentary is called Finding Jay. And my second documentary is called Beyond the Kettle, Finding Jay 2. Uh, Beyond the Kettle is on Amazon and Vimeo. And yes, 100%, this second documentary is about the orbs of light. Um, I bring in people like uh, Ron Moorhead and Ken Gerhard. Mm -hmm. And David Weatherly and Steve Coles um, try to get a try to get a balance of uh, the apers, the woo, the you know, trying to put all this together to say, look, we're having an encounter. This is in my second documentary. This happened in August 2020. I have like the trifecta of a Bigfoot encounter. Beautiful August night. I remember this. It was a day before my birthday, and uh, I was out with a couple people, and it was really quiet. And uh, no wind, really no mosquitoes in August. Either. It was great. It was a perfect hiking night. Out in the distance, we heard a barred owl. And that's the, the, the call that goes, who cooks for you? Who cooks for you? Okay. That's how the way I say it. Who cooks <laughs> for you? I, you know, I could do the hoo, 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 but, you know, way out in the distance. And I remember I was with uh, Karen and Anthony and I'm like, oh, that was a barred owl. They do the who cooks for you. I, lo I love telling the story. Who cooks for you? Who cooks? <laughs> and uh, they heard me say that. And then right behind us to our left, we hear what sounds like a person making an owl sound. It was weird and it was close. It was almost like a whoo, but it's only a person. And I'm like, oh no. And I'm not even thinking of Bigfoot. I'm thinking somebody else is out here with us. I have um, a flare with my thermal. I had it on. I pick it up, take a couple steps forward, look left around to where the bend of the trail was. Hopefully, I was going to see a person because at least I'd be able to put my spotlight on it saying, hey, what's going on? You know, or for safety's sake, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to go out there and you don't fear dog, man, Bigfoot, all these cryptids. You fear man because you don't know what their intentions are out there. Or That's what weapons the, they have. Exactly. What 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 What's the danger there? Mm -hmm. So I, I turn around and I'm looking through my flare and I'm not seeing anything, not seeing it. Oh, wait a minute. And I, again, with, um, with thermal, it's kind of hard because you're just getting bounced images of heat. It's not like you're looking through a video. You're looking through something that's, you know, uh, going out about, you know, 50, hundred yards and picking up, okay, that's, that's heat, that's color, or that's, um, that's hot, that's cold, that's medium and, and making an image of what you're looking through the flare monocular. And I see this strong yellow, which a strong yellow in thermal would have been heat. And then you've got your, uh, blues and purples, which is your colds. Um, and so when I'm looking through there, I'm seeing the tree or a bunch of trees really beyond the path. And I see what looks like a head sticking around the tree, peeking around the tree, boom, going back, coming back out. All of a sudden you could see its shoulders on each side of the tree and the head still, and then it would go back in and then boop, go away. 
in the Walmart time it would look gone. As soon as it went away, um, Kieran and Anthony had no idea what I was looking at. I'm just like, whoa, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to process what I'm seeing on the thermal right as they came up. I said, there was something right there behind the tree right then an orb of light from that direct, from right where that was at comes right in front of us, does an arc, goes almost to our right out of distance. And then a loud breakthrough trees. Okay. So now I'm trying to make sense of all this. What I saw was a thermal was physical. Do we know it was a Bigfoot? No, not, not at that time. You know, we've gone back and did our due diligence, uh, what I call CSI investigation, to uh, to look at uh, distance, height, and everything. And we came to the conclusion, I can't say we came to the conclusion it was a Bigfoot, but we came to the conclusion it wasn't a person. There's no way for size-wise. There was no way it was an animal, again, for size-wise of where we were at. And we've done comparisons side-by-sides. There was no way it was either of those two. And, of course, the way the head was peeking around back, peeking around back, people are like, well, that could have been a raccoon. If you'd go by size comparison, it would have been a 500-pound raccoon, which is <laughs> a hell of scary. a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, like like food of the gods, you know, some huge. Uh, but the way it was moving was kind of a, an erratic peek around. So it was like not like a you saw its head and it slowly went back. It was like it saw me looking at it through this flare and pulled his head back real quick. So again, it was the way it moved. So if we determined it was not a person or an animal, it's, I'm going I'm to go on the line and say, I believe I called caught a Bigfoot on thermal looking. But now what's up with this orb? Yep. And what's not only what's up with the orb, because that could be a coincidence. Um, and the, what I mean by that. My wife love my wife loves me when I when I say this analogy. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, but I do get eye rolls. Um, it's like uh, to compare the two. If in association, if you were there was a rainstorm outside, and you happen to look out your window, and again it's night, and as you're looking out the window, lightning flashes, just as a dog is walking into your yard. Okay, so if you're picturing that, do you now say, oh, every time you see a dog, there's lightning? Or was that just a coincidence? And that's what I try to do when I'm out in the woods. If what I caught was a Bigfoot on thermal, then was that orb just a coincidence, right? But see where it gets deeper is as soon as the orb went, went out of sight from us, we heard a loud, loud crash breaking through the trees, which then would be solid. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, did this physical being somehow <laughs> turn into energy as a ball of light to evade us and then become solid again to break through the trees? So while that makes sense in Jay's head, you know, that's when I started reading uh, Ron Moorhead's The Quantum Bigfoot, where, again, Ron's not talking about Bigfoot being a ghost or a spirit or anything like that, but something that can break frequencies to be able to change physical to energy and just kind of move around. 
so that's that was kind of like the basis of my second documentary, which is re- it's it, to me it's intriguing, and nobody really has you know an answer for me. They they have their opinions, like Jay, you're a nut job, <laughs> which hey, that that's fine by me. Call me anything you want, just don't call me late for dinner. I really don't care because I'm not out trying to prove it. I'm not trying to get you know, millions of likes on social media or, or popular or, or putting this on prime to get, uh, you know, fame and fortune by, you know, by prime I'm doing air quotes because they don't pay much. Um, I'm, I'm doing this for the truth and that's it. It's basically somebody seeing this film and saying, wow, the same thing happened to me here. They contact me and it's, it's kind of like a little validation for the both of us now, you know, wherever you're at in the country, wherever you're at in the world, this stuff's happening, you know, that is there a connection? We don't have the answer to it yet, but at least, you know, it's another piece of the puzzle. Um, um, makes me wonder too, if that orb would have been a distraction. So you're focusing on the orb and it's somehow, so it could escape. I don't yeah. know. We don't know. Well, exactly. And again, I I have no answer for that. That's just another good theory. Another one, another person's theory is, no, Jay, Bigfoot did not turn into an orb, but maybe that Bigfoot took that orb and threw it to his buddy, like playing catch through the woods. I never heard that before. (laughs) I know, right? right. I like that. I mean, yeah. Again, who knows? But it all, it goes back to what your belief is. If you believe it's, flesh and blood animal and that's all there is to it it's it's hard to go down that road and um you know like i said is i i have different views on how i look at things and that's it i don't have a, an answer for anybody on that but i still go out there because you know my my objective in in what i do is not so much um try to prove it to the world um, again, people have their own minds made up that, uh, exist or doesn't. What I want is I want to make contact as crazy as it sounds. Uh, I do different hand signals out there. Some people were calling me the Jay Goodall of the, of the, of the chip <laughs> yeah. world. Cause I, I'm going out there. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my arm, my hands up and waving them back and forth and <laughs> talking to the woods. And then I, every time I go in there and I, Say hey guys, it's me, it's Jay, and I'm I'm waving my hands and give him a little wave. Every time I do that, I always hear like a raccoon or possum laugh, kind of like <laughs> this guy's crazy. Yeah. But but it's what I do, and I'm hoping that one day, out of all these years, if that position ever came up, if it ever wanted to present itself, and it gave me a wave, you know, again. That doesn't give me all the answers, but it's that next piece. Um, and that's just, that's how I look at what I do when I go out there. You have to think outside the box and you have to constantly evolve with, you know, kind of ro- rolling with the punches uh, of getting these type of answers um, to the more questions. And you just have to kind of evolve from that. I think if I were to see a creature like that and I'm doing hand signals and it weighs back, I think it would be giddy, you know, like a kid in the candy shop. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, exactly. That's what I would be, too. A lot of people, I mean, this is funny because 
you know, I have a backpack and or whatever pack I, I'm using. And this is no joke. I, I bring a clean pair of underwear with me. <laughs> I do. Yep. And pe- people are going to be like, well, what would you ever do if you came face to face with one? Kind of like, all right, I want to make contact, right? And I wanted, I said, probably first I'd fall on the ground in a fetal position, sucking my thumb, <laughs> calling for my mom. Yeah. Uh, we really don't know how we're going to be in that situation, no matter how prepared you are. Because again, I'd be on the fence of saying that this thing turns into a ball of light and moves around, or what its attributes are. It's the way it can move and glide on this forest floor that we lumber over, we fall, we, and these things can move that fluently. How? That's, you know, not even uh, primates can do that out in the wild, like orangutans or, you know, monkey, spider monkey, whatever. Mm-hmm. Spider monkeys, spider monkeys still can swing like the best of them, but they still have to maneuver around objects. So they may look fluent, but not, not like, like I said, with seeing this gangly chimpanzee move um, like a statue and with wheels. Um, just too many weird things. Because I've also had rocks thrown at me back in 2014. These little pebbles were coming out of the woods. And at first, uh, the, the guy's hiking with Sanjay. Um, he's like, are those acorns? And I'm like, I don't know. Because you, know, you would hear them, and it was September, so it was very possible. But the only thing that was throwing us off is an acorn is going to drop yep. from the tree. Now, these were coming through the trees. so you And it's hear, not windy, so it's not being... Right? Yeah. No, no. It's basically is if you want to do an experiment, go out by a set of trees, throw a rock through the trees. That's what we were hearing. You're hearing the... And then these, I don't want to call them pebbles, but, you know, they were pretty small, probably like quarter size, um, like a quarter or, you know, nickel size. But they had some weight to it, but they would always land by our feet. They never hit us. And no matter where we continued to walk, they were landing by our feet. And it was the most craziest thing because this was 2014. I'm thinking... Who's doing this? That's incredible uh, accuracy, too, throwing something like that. 100%. Yeah. And if you know the terrain of the Kettle Moraine, and you're trying to like lead us and follow us through the woods as we're walking the path with no sound, uh, whatever it was, it was, again, I don't want to say super close to the path. And we were also hiking. Here's the other odd thing is that this one kettle that we were at, with a path, you know, some of it went to a depth of 100 to 100 uh, feet before it went back up to another kettle. Mm-hmm. It was just really bizarre, and it kept doing it. That's in my first documentary. Um, and I, I, I catch all this on video. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm. they stopped. And I'm like, you know what? This this is ridiculous. I picked up a rock that was on the path and I threw it out into the woods. <laughs> like now my throw, accuracy, throwing it back, throwing it back. Yeah, and it, but mine was a bigger rock, and so I threw this rock out. I couldn't hit the side of a barn, <laughs> but I hit this tree, which made a real nice knocking sound. And I remember Sanjay's like, "Oh, that that was good." And I'm thinking, "No, watch." 
I threw a rock out. Now they're going to hit me. <laughs> Just as I say that, a bunch of these rocks come whipping from way out deep because you can hear them through the tr- treetops. You just hear, they all landed by my feet. Again, by my feet. That's bizarre. I didn't see a Bigfoot throw stones, but whatever it is, I caught on tape. And that, I think, besides those prints and the simian sound, you know, back in 2013 to 2014, really kind of put me on, on that path now. Now it's it's not a matter of proving it. It's just a matter of, you know, making contact. Kind of makes me wonder, too, if um, uh, when you see... I'm going to call it Bigfoot, and then you see the orbs. Makes me kind of wonder if it's more than one Bigfoot out there, but they're go they're playing ball like it's a sport. They're just out in the and they go at night because they don't want to be disturbed by humans. It's possible. Or how about this one? This is a, here's another one. You know, we're seeing these orbs at night. What if these orbs are out during the day? We just uh, can't see them. We can't see them. That would be like taking a white chalkboard with a white piece of chalk and making your mark. You can't see it. Mm-hmm. But at night, of course, you got a black chalkboard with white chalk. It's going to show up a lot more. Um, so who knows? You know, what the way these things could move, it all. De- I guess it all depends on what you think they are. Because if you want to go out into the woods and bang on trees and howl like finding Bigfoot, I'm not going to knock it because, again, we're, we're just like taps. You're, you kind of learn from TV. It's influence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what the knocking really is. I, I know you knock to get a response, but why would they knock in the first place? It's got to be something that we we don't understand, just like the yelling. You know, I mean, a, a knock on the tree could be like, hey, humans here and food's ready. <laughs> so I'm going to knock back. Hey, I'm here. So eat, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, those are just some of the things where I'm like, you know, when I go out there, it's, it's not like I'm hunting wabbit, you know, <laughs> Shh, we're hunting wabbit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I go out there, I wear bright colors. I don't wear camouflage um, because I want to be seen not only by, you know, maybe a poaching hunter out there that mistakens me for, you know, something that he's hunting. I want mm-hmm. to be known that I am a person. I am human. <laughs> and when I'm out there, if Bigfoot, that's actually where the whole finding Jay comes from. Cause everyone's like, what, what is finding Jay? And I'm like, you know what? Here, here's, here's my analogy on that. I don't think we'll ever find Bigfoot, but I believe Bigfoot will find us. So it could be finding Jay, finding cat, oh. finding John. Yep. Um, that's what it is. So when I go out there, I stick to the paths. Those are the human roads. I'm not um, infringing on their property when I go off path into there. I'm not trying to sneak in. Uh, I don't use bright flashlights. I use a low red light. And um, I talk to the woods. And I think it's kind of, this sounds crazy, but it's like like Disney's Aladdin, the diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the Cave of Wonders knows your heart. Mm-hmm. And when I go out there, that's what it is. It's not so much um, a respect for you know, what I'm trying to find out out there, but it's respect for nature when I'm out there. I'm not I'm not a Buddhist monk where 
you know, you see a little ant and, you know, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. just like, oh, that's living. Let it live. Yeah. There's a big spider in my house. Yes, it's creepy. You know, I'm, here you go, buddy, go outside. I don't know. Why do you come in my house? I, that's, the rules are off. Don't invade my house, the pest. But when I am out in the woods, um, I show respect to everything that's out there, period. I, I don't I don't break branches. I don't, um, you know, you can see the creepiest spider hanging there or walking along. I'm not going to step on it because I don't like it. We're in their home. Yeah. And I feel like a visitor in their home. And to be as virgil and, you know, I know it sounds crazy, but that's just how, that's how I approach going out there. I like how you use the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the red light too, because that also helps your eyes adjust to the darkness and a bright light would just, I don't think you'd be able to see as well with a bright well, light. Think, think, of, think about this though. Um, if you were walking in the dark on a path, okay, can you picture that out in the mm -hmm. woods and you don't have your flashlight on, you find, you turned it off and it's totally dark, but at the edge of this path, you see a flashlight coming towards you. What's your first instinct? As you, as we're standing out there, what's your first instinct of seeing a flashlight come toward you? Um, what do you do? Well, it depends. I might want to go towards it because I have no light source myself and here's something with a light source or I'm like, holy crap, what's that light source? I don't, I want to hide from it. Correct. And honestly, that's the biggest, honestly, it, it would even come to me right now is you see a flashlight. I know it's a person, mm -hmm. but I don't know what their intentions are. All you see is a flashlight coming towards you, but wait a minute, what's beyond the flashlight? That could be a hunter. It could be, it could be anything. Now why so are they here? Yeah. Right. Our first instinct would be to run and hide. Therefore, when I go out into the woods, I don't use, I, I have one for protection, actually a 2,500 lumens that I could, you know, blind up an animal that's going to attack me mm -hmm. to give me the upper hand or a person. Uh, but when I walk out there, I am strictly red light and usually it's, it's just facing to where I can walk. And that's, you know, so I can see, so I don't fall and it's safety because, you know, I always say safety first, but I'm thinking if Bigfoot Sasquatch is going to approach me, I want to be approachable. Okay. I, I don't do anything fancy. I, I, I use what here, you ready for the secret of what I do yeah. of the technique I use? It's called the human technique. You say, what's that? It's just being yourself out in the woods. Don't be somebody you're not. And but you know, of course, you're observing and listening. Uh, you know, your ears are glued to what's going on. Your eyes are still always panning, but you're there in the moment with um, friends that you're hiking with. Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, ghost hunting. You have to shh. You know, you can't you can't talk. You know. You know, if you have a rumble in your stomach, that was Jay's stomach rumbling. Uh, when, when we're out there, it's we're basically doing what we're doing here, just talking, listening, and observing the human technique. And I believe that's what we'll be approachable to. So does it happen every time I go out? Absolutely not. Let's see, nine out of ten times I go out there, zero, quiet, totally nature. And that one time something happens inconclusive but i've been doing it for nine years so you just have to kind of keep going 
it's like ghost hunting because I'm an investigator too. And uh, more often than not, you don't really get much. No. Can you imagine if they made a show on your whole time that you go out? Yep. How many people would tune in? You don't add the music. Just add Cat doing what she's doing, an investigation. Yep. And it's... And they make the show, the TV show, as long as your investigation. Yeah. You know, people would be just like, all right, where are we at? We're, we're three hours into this. What's going on? Nothing. Okay. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. remember. That's, but that's how it is. So. Yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone who wants to get into this field? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say definitely um, – look at my three rules that I would practice doing. Cause this could be for any novice or enthusiast that wants to do this is the number one thing you always want to do before you hike. So you got to do safety first, hundred percent. That's definitely hiking with another person or two or three. Uh, don't go by yourself. Why? It's not because Bigfoot's going to get you or, or, you know, werewolf is going to get you. It's basically falling down and hurting yourself, getting lost. Um, there's just so many possibilities that would be helpful by ha- by being with somebody. So definitely safety first. Know your area uh, before you go out. Don't just willy-nilly go out into the woods. Kind of if you plan to do one of those type of hikes, try to get a, a map online or a PDF from your um, anywhere the forestry is and kind of know your area, uh, for sure. And, um, then of course, if you're going out with a group of people or just two people or whatever, uh, text somebody your location of where you're at, pin, pin it and with your time and your date. That way, if anything was to ever happen, that person would know where to start looking, uh, which is really good. And then when you're going out, it's basically, well, whatever equipment, you know, do you have to start stocking up on a thermal flare or anything? No, you don't. What you need is you. Use the human technique uh, and definitely bring, you know, I always say bring along something that, uh, if anything, an audio device that, you know, records for eight hours straight or whatever. You could they're little small Sonys that you could yeah. just turn on, yeah, and just pop on pop somewhere on on you that it's always recording at least if you wanted if you did have an encounter of some sort or any activity at least it would be recorded you know and those are under 100 bucks um you can get a body cam for under 100 dollars you know that you know like what police use hmm. um so it's always recording and they have night vision on them um you know definitely your flashlight I always recommend the most powerful flashlight you can because for more for uh, safety with somebody, anybody, like if somebody was going to attack me with my flashlight and I could blind them, I'd have the upper hand to evade them, to do whatever. But I also carry like bear spray, uh, survival knife, um, things like that, just because you are going out in the woods. But again, you go out with a couple people, you have, uh, you know, you're, you're more safety in numbers. However, you don't want to, you know, hike with the Brady Bunch because the next thing you know, you just have a bunch of people talking and then it's harder to observe the woods. And honestly, that's it. I, I do go out um, at night because, like I said, I'm trying to weed out human uh, contamination to give me a false positive. 
because the trails in the, <laughs> excuse me, in the kettle, they, uh, there's horseback riding, bike riding, jogging, yeah. Yeah. hiking, walking. It's beautiful out there, mm-hmm. but you know, you just have to kind of weed them out, uh, weed out the people. Do you bring a compass with you? Absolutely. Um, you can always say you're relying on your phone. You don't know if you're ever going to get service. You don't know if your phone is going to fall in the drink, water, pull it out. It doesn't work. Then what? Or if the battery um, just dies. The battery dies. Yeah. yeah. There's so many possibilities. Always just at least have a compass on you. That goes with knowing your surroundings. Know where north is. Well, where it is today, I don't know if it's the same place it was yesterday, but know where north is. <laughs> that's a different, that's a different story. Know where north is, know where you, you know, you park that way, no matter what. Um, you know, if you get off the trails, you can be turned around so much that you don't know where north is. At least you can, you know, get to that point. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's just these, you know, it, it's like I said. I'm not a master outdoorsman. I'm not uh, Outback Jack or Crocodile Dundee. I, um, I, I'm still learning as, as I do this. And I'm hoping that one day that, you know, I'll make that contact and 100% validate it for myself. Even though I'm there, you know, am I there? Like, I want to know, I want to know answers, you know. <laughs> how long have I really been here? If you had 100% proof, you have the creature right in front of you, and you're actually filming it, and it's not blurry, do you think you would share that with the world, or are you going to keep that to yourself? Yeah, you know, a lot of people have asked me that question, too. And that's a tough one, because that, that really kind of comes down to the uh, the morals of what I'm doing. If I had that, um, again, number one, it's either going to be the best CGI when it's out there, no one's going to believe it. But the ones that do or that are on the fence are all going to be scrambling to this area. And the trust that I want them to have, and I say this when I do my hand waves and the raccoons are laughing and everything, and as I do say that I'm not here to expose you. And I just, um, you know, I want to be able to meet you. And as crazy as that sounds, if I had that, you would think that would be like the best footage you could sell to the travel channel or the the top bidder mm-hmm. of the world. And then I'd feel like, what am I doing? That would be all, all for not. Then I'm nothing but a hypocrite. And, um, so would I definitely show my wife who would stop rolling her eyes at me doing <laughs> this? Yes. I would definitely show her. I would show like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, so it wouldn't be like, I would just keep it like if we were talking and, off the air or whatever, I would say, hey, check this out. Um, I would definitely do that. But you wouldn't um, go to the Daily News and say, hey, no, I, yeah. No, no, yeah. I wouldn't. I think that's uh, wise, you know, too. Yeah, I think uh, 2013, 14, and 15, I, m- my, I probably would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm to that point where it's like, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're playing with, um, uh, I was going to say, you're just messing with people, um, with your friends. And I know that sounds really crazy, but I feel like I have a relationship with the woods, um, because of my, 
just being out there. Uh, I'm not saying with Bigfoot or Sasquatch or anything like that. I'm just saying nature. With, with nature, I feel really connected to it. Again, I'm not going to go to being a Buddhist monk, but I do. I feel very connected at home, at peace. And I really feel like if I betrayed that, you know, like I said, then I'd feel like I'd just be the hypocrite. Any final thoughts? Where I can't believe that so much time has gone by already. I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> well, no, yeah, it's uh, and I appreciate you letting me. Like I said, I could talk for hours too. Uh, usually, when I get done with these, you know, my wife's like, "Wow, you could just keep talking, can't you?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, I can." <laughs> uh, this, uh, I'm very passionate about this subject. Um, right now, it would be. Uh, I always put it out there, and it, it's not for. Uh, sales or anything like that but my film is both of them finding j and beyond the kettle finding j2 are both on amazon prime and vimeo so i don't know if uh other countries i know we also... don't, I, yeah i tried to find it here in canada on uh, amazon i couldn't find it yeah now can you get vimeo up there i've never even heard of it so i'm gonna look into that see yeah we might both, have it both, i don't know yeah they're both on there okay and um, I also have my website, which is uh, just jbachochin.com. And I do try to keep that up to date. And, um, uh, with, you know, and I'll, I'll throw some pictures up there of um, what I what I'd consider as evidence, some field work, things that are going on that I speak at events or podcasts or anything like that. But uh, and I'm also on Facebook. Um, and I believe that's it. I don't think I used to be on a bunch of social medias, but right now it's like the website I keep up to date and um, social media, uh, Facebook I do. But again, I'm not out for the uh, thousands of likes and the love and the, oh, Jay, this is great. Jay, you're, you're crazy. Or it's not, it's not worth all that. <laughs> it's, it's about the truth. So, um, and you know, sharing, wanna... sharing experiences in, in hopes that others will know that they're not crazy because other people are experiencing the same thing. Oh, 100 percent. You know, people would say, then why did you put a documentary out that can be seen? Well, I know it's seen in the U.S., U.K., Australia, Japan. Don't know why not Canada. But um, it's not so much that I'm trying to get around the world that way. Actually, what would be great is I put the documentary out hoping that everybody in Wisconsin could see it. Because, you know, people ask me, do I travel all around and squatch and Bigfoot hunt? No, I don't. Um, this goes back to your, your, the paranormal ghosts is somebody calls you to investigate their house. You investigate it for eight hours. You have all the stuff you can listen to. And then you deem it haunted or not or paranormal activity or not. Or do you go back the next day, the next week, the next month and do that year after year and try to compare the data? That's where I'm at with the Kettle Moraine is I am still, I don't have my answers. So I'm not going to move around and go, oh yeah, up in Michigan, they have Bigfoot because I heard this. Let's go to Idaho. Let's go, you know, wherever. Fine. That still doesn't prove anything. I'm not trying to prove it. I'm trying to find answers. So uh, definitely, um, I don't even know where I was going with that one. This is what, <laughs> what I call one of my tangents. <laughs> I find going to the same place uh, multiple times um, is beneficial because you can see if there's a pattern. 
hundred percent. You're, you're collecting, right. You're doing, you're comparing your data yep. that you had last time. hundred percent. Exactly. Hey everyone. So unfortunately that was the end of this great episode with Jay. Uh, the internet decided to go out. <laughs> it went out for a few minutes and then the next day it went out for a few hours so uh, those of you who listen to the show know that tech issues are no stranger when it comes to me. So, um, yeah, the town was out for, for a little bit. My apologies again. Um, Jay will be back to Paranormal Heart Podcast in the new year. He's such a great, great guest, wasn't he? Uh, he still has so much to say. Uh, just loved listening to him. And he's got the best voice, don't you think? Best voice. He could be DJ or do audiobooks or something. Just great guy. Anyways, again, my apologies. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more Jay sometime in 2023. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants.